Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. As we sing this morning, there are two themes that I recognize, and perhaps you do as well. The first one is the goodness of God, the greatness of God. The second one is our desire and our invitation to surrender, to lay everything down. And certainly, if we engage in those two things, as simple as they sound, they're difficult to do, but if we engage in those two things, we experience something far beyond what we experience throughout the week. We experience something far beyond what we could experience in this world, what this world promises, what the things of this world might give us or, or might afford for us. If we say, God, you are God and I am not, I give all to you, I surrender to you, I make time for you, I place it before your feet, before your cross, we'll experience something we never imagined. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for these moments where we gather together here in this space and also uh, through technology, even online, Father, with the opportunity as one voice and in one voice to glorify you through song, uh, through prayer, God, through, uh, through one voice and one heart as we embrace your word, as we give, Father, all the things that contribute to a, a service where we come together in worship and in fellowship. And God, as we come together, may we do so recognizing the power of this moment when the posture and the openness of, of an open hand and an open heart. And as we express with our lips, Father, the desire to want to surrender to you, may that not just be something we say, but God, may there be an action. May there be a specific opportunity for us to receive and to experience hope because of who you are and because of what you can and will do. God, you have promised yourself. You have given yourself through the person of Jesus and through the, the Holy Spirit, which we now have among us. And so, God, may we live in account and recognition of these truths. God, may our lives reflect the fact that we serve a God, that we can know a God who didn't just create us and put us on some ball and just spin us and say, okay, I'll come back later and check on you. No, you engaged us. You came into this world. You, God, in all aspects and all ways, you created the way. It's not a, a religion of working our way towards our God. No, it's a recognition that you've already done the work. And God, you've called us to come along with you. And so, God, I pray that in this moment, in this time, that as we as a body gather in this place, that we would have an understanding of the God that we know, a God that we can know, a God that is the one who is the giver of all, the creator of all, God that, that is the giver of grace, the giver of hope, the creator of unconditional love, the one who brings peace in the midst of the storms. God, I pray for those this morning that are walking through storms as we embrace this moment together. If you're walking through a storm here today in this place, church, I just want to say this, God is, is among you, he is with you. And God, I pray that you would reveal that to each one that you would help us to walk through the difficult times in life. And I also ask that as we continue through this service, that our posture would continue to remain the same. Open hearts, open minds, open ears and eyes, open hands to receive what you have for us today so that we might be empowered by your goodness, filled by your spirit, and go from this place ready to embrace you and however you call us to go. 
I pray for each person in this place. I pray that you would remind each one of us that we are here intentionally, on purpose. You have called us here. We may have come with some other, some other reason in mind, but God, you have called us here. May we discover what that is. May we live into that. May we be people, men and women, after your own heart. In your son's name we pray, and all of us said together in affirmation, amen, amen. You may be seated if you haven't already. Well, hey, I want to welcome you today. I'm excited uh, to be here. I hope that you are as well. As the ushers come and, and collect this morning's tithes and offerings, I have a few things I want to share with you. First, uh, my name is Steve Warner, and I, I serve here as the lead pastor, and we want to welcome you. Certainly, some of you have been here before, and you've heard this spiel before. Let me just say, there's probably someone in here who has not, and so I'm saying this to you. If you haven't been here before, or maybe you haven't responded to it, we want to get to know you. We want to answer questions you have. We believe that uh, being part of a church fellowship is more than just attending a service on Sunday morning. Uh, there's groups, and there's places to serve, and there's many different things that take place within the context of a local church. We want you to get involved. And so we encourage you to fill out this card if you haven't done so already. Take it to the information center if you're a guest with us today, or maybe this is your first time filling this out. And uh, we have a gift for you. We'll also make a $10 donation in your name to our community partner for the month, which this month is Athletes in Action, which I'll talk about in just a moment. And then additionally, if you have a prayer request, feel free to fill that out. Put your prayer request here on the bottom or on the back, and uh, you can either uh, give that to one of the ushers today, or you can drop it in the offering plate if you're quick enough, or you can take it to the info center, and we'll pray over that today during the service. Uh, if you're late on it, probably pray with it, pray with the, uh, pray over it during second service, but uh, nonetheless, we'll pray for you and uh, pray for your requests as well. I did mention Athletes in Action. We're going to hear more from them today, uh, but also just wanted to make mention there's a, a uh, an insert in the bulletin that uh, details uh, some, th some things about their ministry, how you can get involved. If you'd like to know more about them, certainly uh, there's a table out in the lobby in the Next Steps area. They would love to answer questions you have, get you on board with what they're doing, and uh, just to, to spend some time I'm getting to know you a little bit as well, and so make sure that you stop by that table on your way out. Additionally, another college ministry that we partner with here at CCWC is Crew and uh, Crew Southeast Ohio, and they also have a table out there. They're collecting uh, baked goods and fruit and some different items for their uh, for their retreat coming up next weekend. And so uh, there is a, also a bulletin insert for them. So a lot of things here to look at. Uh, the bulletin insert for them as well. And so take a moment to to look at that, or you can stop by their table. You can also drop off some things there, or sign up if you'd like to bring something this week as well. Uh, excited to to serve alongside both of them and support these two ministries. And then the final thing I want to mention is there are five Sundays in October. And so at the end of this month, we'll be facilitating our family fifth Sunday. Uh, for the last year, we have been doing one service for this, and we've recognized that is impossible now. So that being said, we're back to doing uh, two services on Family Fifth Sunday. There'll be one at 9 o'clock, one at 1030. You are invited to come to either or both of those. But the one big thing to note is we will have our family dinner, our meal after second service. And so if you are interested and you'd like to participate in that, Everybody's invited. There is no charge to this meal. The only thing that we ask for is that you would register prior to the Wednesday beforehand. Uh, you can do so right now uh, by scanning the QR code in the seat in front of you. There's also a place you can sign up in the lobby. Uh, you can uh, call the office during the week or send an email. You can come into the office. You can tell somebody and they can tell us. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Don't do that last one. But what I will say is there's many different ways to sign up. We're just asking that you do it so that we have enough food and we have enough space for you. And so we're, uh, we're excited about that. It's going to be another fun one. We're going to do some, some family type and some group type games and activities for that. And uh, still excited to, uh, to engage in that. It's a time of fellowship and a time to embrace uh, what it means to, to break bread 
together. And so if you haven't been at one of those, it's right here in this space, right after second service. We want you to be there. Come join us for that. And if you're a college student, it's a free meal. Why not, right? It's a great place to come. Well, this week we continue our series uh, moving forward on uh, looking at who our plus ones are, those VIPs, the people in our lives that matter, the people in our lives that God has placed there for a reason, the people in our lives that might be special to us in our sphere of influence. Matthew chapter 18, particularly verse 20, I'm going to read, it says, For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. And this is Christ talking, and certainly in this passage, it's talking specifically not just about getting together and the fact that there's power in numbers, power in the context of church together, but it's also about accountability. It's also about correction. It's also about understanding the vision that God's placed before us. And today, as we embrace this who's your plus one concept, we're looking specifically at the people that we gather with, the people that we come together with to embrace the mission that God has for us. Who are you serving alongside? Everyone needs somebody. I mean, Scooby-Doo had Shaggy, right? We know that. We know that Batman had Robin, and even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, so he wasn't really lone in that situation. Scripture, more seriously, David had Jonathan. Uh, Paul had Barnabas. There was this crucial creation moment. Jesus had his disciples, but this crucial creation moment where God decided, you know what, Uh, I've created this, this human being, this man, and I realize it is not good for him to be alone, and so I will create another a plus one, so to speak, so that they can live together, so that they can grow together, so they can encourage each other in unity and in growth. It's interesting to note that you and I, as believers in Jesus, we have been given different metaphors to explain who we are and what our posture is, right? We've been called the body of Christ, many parts, many, many of us have different gifts, but we've also been called the bride of Christ. And it's interesting to note that you and I are called the bride, singular, not plural. We're not the brides of Christ, we are the bride, meaning that we are one, we are unified together, that God has created us to live in unity and be one bride, one church together. So as we look specifically at this question, who are you serving alongside? I'll do as I've done the last few weeks. I'll make it rhetorical to start, but I'm going to tell you by the end of the service, it's not going to be rhetorical. I want you to, to write that down. Not just who are you serving alongside, but who are you encouraging? Who's encouraging you? Who are you bringing along? Who is part of your sphere of influence when it comes to being part of the body of Christ? Today we examine a passage that details the relationships of friends that are serving together. And what's more, they are living out, they are pointedly living out what it means to be a kingdom force. Wesleyan Church uses this phrase, a kingdom force, meaning that we're not just to sit idly by and be followers of Jesus or to just kind of do the, the, the tasks that are necessary. No, we are to be a movement. We're to step forward into the darkness of the world and be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the mouth, mouthpiece of Jesus, to be uh, a, a movement of sorts in this world. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 3, and the way that we're going to embrace the passage today is that we're going to read and we're going to, do, we're going to look at some takeaways as we move through it. And so if you're going to turn there today, I encourage you to, to keep your finger uh, in the page, or if you're going to open up on your smart device, you can uh, just, uh, just keep the screen open. Don't be uh, tempted to text others, uh, but you can if you need to. That being said, it'll also be on the screen, but I want to just uh, give you a, a quick... Um, Quick, a little bit of background history specifically on this passage. Leading into chapter 3, that the Babylonians had come and they had attacked Jerusalem. 
They had taken many of the, the Hebrew people into exile, and as they're, they're in exile, these people are working. The, the Hebrew people are working as slaves, as servants in many cases uh, to the Babylonians. Among them was Daniel and three friends that we now know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, though those were their, their names that were, were given to them by the Babylonians to take away from the names that they used to have that, that, that were uh, to, to lay claim to and to praise uh, the one true God, the God that we know. And so they've been, their, 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 their names have been taken away, their, their past has been taken away, and they've been used or are being used as slaves to, uh, to, the, to the Babylonians. These guys are, are loyal, and uh, certainly they were recruited because of their loyalty and because they served unto the Lord in all aspects and all ways. And so they were, they were given a place to serve in the royal palace of Babylon. And while they were there, they were pressured to throw away their Jewish identity and their righteousness. And certainly, as the passage goes on, you'll see that this got more, more and more difficult as time went on. And at one point, the king had a dream. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And Daniel, giving the, using the gift that God had given him, was able to interpret this dream. And, and what he interpreted was not something that was extremely popular to the king. In fact, he said that, that the kings will fall, this king will fall, and God one day will bring a new kingdom to all of them. And then coming back specifically in this, it, it comes uh, as an attack on Daniel and on his three friends and all the rest. The commander basically says, the command is given for every person to bow down to this brand new idol that is being erected in the Babylonian way. And so the stature, or the statue, excuse me, is, is put in, in it's, it's to embrace the stature of the king. It's put before the people and at a certain time and a certain place when everybody is, in, is uh, told to do so, it is indicated that they are to bow down before this specific idol. And there in this place where we're going to pick up today the, uh, the three men that we're going to look specifically at, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are at a crossroads, a precipice of what it means to follow God, what it means to live specifically as righteous men before the Lord. Spoiler alert, I'll just tell you now, they were faithful. So here's the reality of it. Righteousness in and of itself is defined as this. I'm going to read this definition. It says that in, in its deepest spiritual meaning, righteousness is the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including character, which is nature, conscience, which is attitude, conduct, which is action, and command, which is the word. Righteousness is, therefore, based upon God's standard because he is the ultimate lawgiver. And so here we recognize that these men are being asked to, to, to be unrighteous, to, to embrace something of this world and not of God. And so we pick up in chapter 3, verse 1, and it reads like this. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of, God, of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. And set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officers to come to the dedication of, this Im of the image that he had set up. And so the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officers assembled for the dedication of the image of, the king, of, king, of that king Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. As it continues in verse 4, it says, Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you, what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, life, 
lyre, excuse me, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. And so in this case, we'll talk about wiggle room in a little bit, but there's very little wiggle room here. When you hear this command, you are to bow down and worship what King Nebuchadnezzar has commanded for all to do. It's interesting to note that just like these individuals, we are born into a story that is already taking place. We are born into a story that has been taking place for thousands of years. And as we embrace this story, there's nothing new under the sun, right? There's nothing new. Evil is at work and has been at work for a long time. And here we recognize in the same place that there is opportunity for you and I to experience his goodness in the midst of the mess, if you're a note taker, the first point is this, the righteousness or the righteous should expect temptation. You and I as righteous people should expect temptation because that we believe that we, what we proclaim and what we know is actually countercultural. What we believe as followers of Jesus is countercultural to what the world preaches and what the world believes. And so therefore you and I as righteous people, those that follow God, those that are faithful to his goodness, should expect temptations to come because Satan will attack the righteous. Satan will attack the righteous because he recognizes that there, there are individuals that are experiencing the joy of God and he does not want us to experience that. You know, one of the things that I like most about the application of this story is that it's still true to life. There may not be a giant statue in your town or in your neighborhood where you have to go and worship it every single time you hear the music, but certainly there are temptations, there are things in our life that certainly there are idols in our life that we see every single day, things that we don't always look past. An idol is defined as an object that people worship. It's something that is created. Get that? An idol is anything that is created in this world. It's any time we worship or we put something before the creator of this world. And so therefore, when we put something, we elevate something beyond or above the creator, we are doing what's called idol worship. Sometimes idols today can look different than this. Specifically, some might look like a, a smart device, right? Sometimes we have a smart device. So, so perhaps you've been in this place before where you've misplaced your phone, right? What happens when you misplace your phone? Sometimes you panic, right? Sometimes your heart gets beating. Where is that? What if I miss a message? What if I miss a call? What if somebody needs to get hold of me? I need to check this. I need to check that. That's not you, I guess. So you guys are okay. Sometimes idols look like self. It might not be a physical thing, but it's self, our self-image, what we want to look like, what we want others to think we look like, or how we want them to see us. Sometimes idols might be a sport or maybe even your child's sport, right? Sometimes idols look like our finances or how we use our finances. Sometimes they look like our house or our car or our possessions. Sometimes it looks like an idol might be nationalism. You know, sometimes in most of these things, I should say almost all of them to begin with, aren't necessarily a bad thing in and of themselves, but when we position them before God, they are, right? I, I, I am a, I'm an American and I love this country, but I'm a Christian first. Sometimes idols look like always being right. Does that make sense? Like always winning the argument, personal justice. Idols don't always have to be a specific statue that we bow down before, but they can be very, very sneaky. 
They can be things that we may not have ever thought before. And sometimes they're good things. And then one day we turn around, and we think, wow, that was a good thing. And now I've made it the best thing in my life. Certainly this is true to life because every single day we are faced with idols in our, in, in our world. And the question is this, what does it look like for these idols to, to be embraced? Well, sometimes it's certainly, it, it's not a, I'm going to take this smartphone and I'm, do I have my, yeah, I'm gonna, I got it right here. That way I won't panic, right? That's, that's what it, so I got my smartphone, I'm going to put it here and I'm going to bow down to it. And that's not what it looks like. But sometimes when we elevate this beyond what matters most, which is the one true God, the creator of all, it becomes an idol. And so here's the question, and I, I'll allow this to be rhetorical now, but I want you to think about it. Are you bowing down to any idols? Do you have a priority for something else beyond God? Are you bowing down to something that is not the one true God? You don't necessarily need music to, to remind you to do it. Instead, it's an instinct. It's your first impression. It's your first desire when you get up in the morning. It's the last thing you do before you go to bed. Are you bowing down to any idols? As the story continues, it's interesting, all the people worshiped. In fact, verse 8 uh, through 12, all the people worshiped. And then there's a little bit of tattletaling going on because there's a few people that did not. And we'll pick up in verse 12. It says, but there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And I think there's a little bit of language or a little bit of, uh, of attitude in this language right here. It's like you let these people be in charge of all this and they're not even bowing down to you, right? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. There's some bitterness in that, right? There, there's, there's someone here that's, that's been serving the king and saying, look, you let these other people in and they're not even following the same rules. Continues in verse 13, it says, Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? Now let me just say, he already went back on his word, because previously he said, Immediately you'd be thrown into a furnace. But right here you can show, you can see that, the, that he's showing some affection, some love for them because of what they've done. And so he's giving them a chance to be able to, to change their ways. He says, Is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up. And now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready, all, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And so he's giving him this last chance. He's embracing this moment. And then verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. And here they recognize the fact that it's not about their power. It's not about what they can do. It's not even about the embrace that they have, but it's about the fact that they serve a God who is mighty and greater and has a plan. And while he may not protect them physically in this world, he will walk through the storm with them. And the point is the righteous should expect maneuvering from the evil one. The righteous should expect maneuvering from the evil one to bring forth other aspects, other ways to try to get us to, to, to fall prey. Certainly in this specific instance, we recognize that the king is coming to them in almost in an endearing way. Hey, you know what? I recognize that you've missed out on this. Maybe you guys didn't hear it. Maybe you were in the bathroom at the time. You didn't know that this was the case. But let me just explain to you. Here's what happens. Is it okay? And sometimes that sweet talk comes. Sometimes it, so, it, it even sounds good from the evil one. 
And furious as he may be, the king calls them aside and he says, remember that I've been loyal to you and I've, 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 I've been very good to you as servants. And while I'm angry, I'm going to bring this question before you because I want, I want you to be able to experience this goodness that, that we all have together as we all bow down to this idol. And everyone and everything is, is mounted against these righteous men. The social norms have shifted. The price for worshiping, it, it seems in this case that it's going to be so high if they don't do it. But here at the same time, it is the most if they do. It is everything if they do. You see, Satan is the master manipulator, and here he's manipulating them in another way. He's bringing forth an opportunity for them to kind of save face. Well, okay, well, if we just do this, king, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we, we've been friends. You have taken care of us. We do owe it to you. We'll, we'll all figure this out together. Satan has a way of reframing things to make us believe that something's right. He gives us what we would consider this little bit of wiggle room in Scripture, or, well, does the Bible really say kind of mentality? Did God really say this? Did God really say that? I remember a number of years ago uh, when I was doing a fundraiser uh, at the Circleville Pumpkin Show, and the, the fundraiser was that we would park cars, and uh, the, the organization that allows us to do so would, would allow us to take the money that we received, and it would go into our ministry, and it was a, a neat thing for us, and it was a time of fellowship for those that were there. And at the same time, uh, we had fun getting to know people as they came to town. And so we did this, this fundraiser every year, and, and there were specific places where you could park, and we would park people there. And then there were other places where the city, determined you could not park specifically in these places and, and they would put up signs and they would put up cones and they would do everything they could to tell people you're not allowed to park in this specific area. And so as the day would go on, we would get people coming in, we would, we would fill up all the spots and there would be nothing left, no places for anyone to park. And as it would happen pretty much every single time, people would come a little bit later and they would say, well, I think I can squeeze in right here between the two no parking signs. Or if I move this cone a little bit, I can get in there. Or, you know what, I'm far enough away from the building or far enough away from the fire hydrant that I think that this spot will be okay. And every time, especially if we were there, we'd say, you know what, you're going to get towed. There is no wiggle room here. And they would find ways to try to implement wiggle room. And oftentimes we would take uh, we would take bets, which we, we didn't bet money. We would we would bet pumpkin uh, flavored items that you could eat at the show. But we would say, okay, how long do you think it will take until this person gets towed away? And I could tell you, it, sometimes it took a little bit longer, depending upon how many people needed to get towed that day. But every single time, they would get towed away. And the thing that I take from that, and perhaps the same thing is true when it comes to Scripture, is there is no wiggle room when it comes to the rule, when it comes to the law. Certainly, there's an understanding and a recognition that it's not about just the law. Christ redeemed the law. He brought forth an opportunity to fulfill the law. But we recognize at the same time there's no wiggle room with Scripture. What God says is what He means. What he calls us to is what he desires. What he says in the context of what it means to bow down to Him and to Him only is for all of us. It's not exclusive for some. It's not a message that we only follow a few days a week. It's not something we only do on Sunday morning. It's not something that we, we put aside when we hear the, the, the leer or the zither. I know you guys are listening to those on the radio every so often, right? And that means it's time to bow down. No, we do it all the time. There is no wiggle room with Scripture. 
And so when the passage continues, it's interesting to note that their response is so key. They, they say that we don't need to defend ourselves, that God will. And verse 17 continues, says, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. And the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the, bla that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. And the point is the righteous should expect forms of persecution. The righteous, you and I should expect forms of persecution because what we believe, what we teach, what we understand is countercultural. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, it says, Blessed are you, this is Christ speaking, blessed are you when, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Why would we expect anything different from what Christ received? If we are Christ followers, why would we expect to have any different plight, any different life than he did? Have you ever been persecuted for your faith? And I don't mean necessarily thrown into a furnace or crucified, but have you ever been persecuted for your faith? Maybe in a way that where somebody said something uh, condescending or somebody discredited what you believed or what you were about. Maybe in a way where they just basically threw you away or, or even eliminated a friendship or even a, maybe you were a child and, and, and you, you expressed that you were a believer and your parents, they, they said, fine, you're done. You're not, you're not my child anymore. Well, here's the question. If, 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 you've, if you answer this question, have you ever been persecuted for your faith? If, if the answer is no, the, the question I have is why not? If the answer is yes, the question is why, and, and the response would be the same. If you're living it out, certainly you're going to be persecuted in some way. If you're not living it out at all, Satan has no reason to persecute you. Here comes the, 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 the climax of the passage. It says in verse 24 and 25, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around, not just hanging out, but walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of God. Now, there's a lot to take from this, particularly even the fact that he recognized and knew what the son of God looked like. But the point is this, unified righteousness in the midst of despair is the seedbed for miracles in the transformation of God. When we step out as the church, when you and I step out, when we step out as the kingdom force, we unleash the opportunity for God to be able to move in our midst, for God to be able to bring forth a, 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 a newness, a freshness in our context, in our sphere of influence. When you and I step out and say, okay, there's, there's, there's persecution taking place, but we're not going to stand for it. We're going to allow God to be God and not get in the way of that. 
He will bring miracles. Now I can tell you it doesn't always end up perfect or, or roses and everything, you know, exactly how we would expect specifically in this, in this life. But it will do so in eternity. And it will have a rippling effect in eternity. I'm going to hit three key takeaways and then we're going to hear from some gentlemen who are living out what it means to be part of a kingdom force. The first one is this. Righteousness grows in fellowship with other believers. You will grow in your faith as you engage in, in righteousness with others. It's a got your back. I've got your back mentality. You look out for one another. You, you are there for each other. Besides mothers in the room, no one else has eyes in the back of their head. We need each other. We need to be able to see what's going on. We need to be able to, to, to reflect upon that passage talking specifically at the beginning when I talked about Matthew saying that we, you know, where two or three are gathered isn't just about you know, the, the power of God and living together. It's also about having accountability and looking out for each other when there are snares, when there are blind spots. The next one's a little more general. It comes from verse 24 and 25. God does not always deliver us from trials of life, but he will walk through them with us. In fact, the passage reads like this. Let me just read this again. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of God. God didn't take them out. Do you notice that? Jesus didn't say, okay, I'm going to come in and I'm going to take you out of the storm. No, he walked through the storm with them. And perhaps you've been there before. You're walking through a storm. You're calling out to God. God, please save me from this circumstance. Save me from the consequence that I'm going through because of an action that I had. Save me from whatever it might be. And God's saying, no, I'm not going to save you, but I'm here with you. And the reason I'm here with you is because I want to help you grow in your faith and your understanding. You know, praying away the storms in our life, it seems like the convenient, it seems like the appropriate thing, but often what God is saying is not, hey, I want to take this away or take you out of it, but I want to help you in the midst of it. None of us probably look back at a storm and say, I'd love to relive that, but most of the time, if we allow it to be a time that, that's redemptive and a time where we grow, most of the time we look back on a storm in our life, we might say, and I venture to say this isn't everybody across the board, we might say, I don't want to live that again, but I'm glad I went through it. Because what God did through it is greater than I would have ever experienced. The, the process was awful, but the result was far greater than anything I could have ever imagined. And finally, the third takeaway is this. The righteousness of believers serving together ushers transformation in a broken world. Verse 28 and 29 is a, is a, is a proof of that in this instance as well. Then King Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. I didn't scream that because I'm wearing a mic, but that was an exclamation point there on the end. They trusted him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. This is a kingdom force. This is the result of a kingdom force. You know, there's amazing ways that we can be encouraged, amazing things we can be encouraged through, through prayer and through a time of worship together, through scripture. One of the ways that God chooses for us to be encouraged is through the testimony of others. 
I don't know about you, but I get charged when I hear about how God is moving in other parts of the world and even here in our context. And so in just a moment, I'm going to leave the platform and I'm going to invite a few gentlemen up who have been living in a kingdom force in a dark world, who have been saying in the midst of the king who is, is desiring for them, is calling for them to bow down. They've been saying, no, I'm going to serve my God. So would you join me in welcoming uh, a few members from the Ohio University Bobcat uh, football team? I think all of them are from the football team. Misspeak that. I'm going to get real small real quick as soon as you guys come on the platform. So, yeah, that's very good. They're going to share a little bit about their experience in serving together. And I, I ask for you to give them, their, give, you them, give them your attention. One thing I will say, too, uh, just on, on their behalf, is they're also representatives of uh, leadership from Athletes in Action and have been doing great work on campus. And so, gentlemen, take it away. Thank you. Thank you. Is this, uh, is this Mike? The, does it sound good? All right. <clears throat> my name is Jake Netherton. Um, so I actually don't play football anymore. Last year was my last year playing. I played for six years, but I'm still going to school at OU. And since I'm still at OU, I still help serve with uh, the Athletes in Action ministry. And I've been a part of it since I was a freshman. And the biggest thing about Athletes in Action that changed me is I was really young in my faith when I came to college. I had a faith, but I hadn't really let God you know, come to my life and, and let him change my life. I still wanted to live it the way that I wanted to live it. I still wanted to call the shots, but I told him I, I wanted to have faith in him, but I, I didn't let him change <clears throat> the things that I did on, on a daily basis. But then when I got to school and I got involved with the community that is Athletes in Action and, and made friends who were strong in their faith and, and they lived out their faith, that's what changed me and, and getting involved with the community <clears throat> and doing Monday night meetings and doing Bible studies and going to chapel before games that Mark Heflin uh, serves as the football chaplain. You know, these are the things that really changed my heart to take football away as an idol and truly let God come into my life and, and make him number one and let, let him call the shots and, and change my path and do the things that he wanted me to do rather than, than uh, what I wanted to do. So now that's the biggest reason why I continue to serve uh, and help athletes in action and help to, to lead some of the younger athletes to to do some of the same things that, uh, that, I, that I did and, and lead them away from that, lead them to, to keep Christ as the focal point uh, of their life. Hello, my name is uh, Cam Wright. I play offensive line here, and I'm a uh, second year. Um, last year, when I was coming to uh, Ohio, I didn't really have a strong faith in where I wanted to go to church, and one of the guys up here reached out to me, and they invited me to go to Athletes in Action, and I didn't know too much about it, but I figured I'd give it a shot because I wanted to find a new church home. And it really stuck to me that the guys that are there help uh, build a relationship with each other. And that is one of the biggest gifts that I've been given from Athletes in Action has been able to uh, build a deeper connection and friendship with the guys up here that I probably would not have had if it weren't for AIA. Uh, one of the ways we do this is through extracurricular activities. Uh, Late in the summer, Mark took us to the shooting range, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, when we fired the first bullet downrange, it woke up a swarm of hornets, and I got attacked, I'm sure. Jake remembers that pretty well. So that was a fun memory. Um, yeah, just little things like that where I get to hang out with the guys and build a deeper friendship with them is really a blessing, and I want to thank Mark and Mindy for those opportunities. Uh, hello, uh, my name is Curtis Rourke, uh, quarterback. Uh, 
the, for the football team. Um, yeah, this is my fifth year now. Uh, I've been involved in Athletes in Action for a while. Um, you know, I've been helping with leading Bible studies, uh, you know, helping at high school AA, which is something that we've started in the past couple of years, going to the Athens High School and, and kind of trying to start an, an AA program there. Um, also with, uh, you know, I went on my first mission trip to Puerto Rico this past summer, uh, uh, which was awesome, life-changing, um, but just so many different opportunities. Um, uh, when I came to, came to college, I wasn't really strong in my faith, and, and so, um, you know, having that community has really helped me um, kind of, you know, grow in my faith and, and understand the true gospel and, and, you know, the love that Jesus has for me. Um, you know, when, when Pastor Steve was talking uh, about trials of life and um, how, you know, God doesn't just, you know, um, deliver you from them, but he also walks you through them. You know, that's, that hit personally for me. Um, I, in November last year, I had my third surgery since entering college. Um, I tore my ACL, ending my football season. Um, and so that was really hard for me um, in getting through that. But God was there for me the whole time. And, and the, I was in the strongest faith during that time um, because I knew that God was with me. And, and having the community of all these guys up here, as well as Mark and Mindy, as well as everyone, you know, in our Bible study and, and Monday nights, you know, having that community to say, you know, God's with you through this tough time, through, you know, this surgery, this recovery process, made it so much easier um, because it's, it's a tough process mentally, physically. Um, and, yeah, and so I can't thank uh, the, the community of AIA um, and obviously just God being with me the whole time. So. Morning. Uh, my name is Nifa Osani. I am a senior, and I play defensive back for the football team. Um, I wrote a couple notes down, so I don't forget. But <laughs> So essentially, from my background um, at my church, we kind of go out on our own after Sunday school. So being able to come here and come to AIA to have other athletes and other guys my age to kind of read about the word and learn about the word, as well as converse about the word, um, I think has been the biggest thing. Um, what AIA has done for me personally is kind of, we always talk about every day making sure we have a relationship with God and continuing in our faith and not having it just a Sunday, every Sunday kind of thing. So with AIA being able to come on, sun, on Monday and learn more about the word and then after we break, we get to converse about it with, with the team. Um, and not only with the team, it's with other athletes and other sports. So getting to hear from their opinions as well has been a great blessing. I also wanted to uh, speak about the Bible study that has came through AIA that we've done. Um, and we've done a football Bible study, but it's more of a boys kind of athlete Bible study. And through that, like I said, just being able to continue and grow in my faith and have a relationship with God, I think is the biggest blessing. And I wouldn't have been able to be where I am if it wasn't through AIA and through God kind of directing me to come and advocate for AIA. So, yeah. Thank you, guys.
Well, it's a blessing to have you guys come and share today. Uh, it's also a blessing to note that we have uh, several leaders from Athletes in Action that uh, also are part of our fellowship here. And so I want to invite uh, Mark and Mindy Heflin to come up. Uh, they were just referenced a moment ago by several of the, the guys as uh, the, the chaplain for football team and uh, certainly have uh, a great amount of, uh, of impact there. And then at the same time, we also have the chaplain of our uh, basketball team as well, Mark uh, um, Stickle, which you have to be named Mark if you want to be a chaplain at the university, but <laughs> in any event, um, if there's any other members of, of AIA or of the leadership that'd like to come up, we're going to just take a moment to pray over them, uh, to pray over their ministry, what they're doing, certainly stepping into uh, uh, enemy territory, really, a lot of times as we uh, view what's taking place uh, on OU's campus um, you all are in our prayers, and uh, we, in all ways and all aspects, support what you're doing and excited for the way that God's moving. Uh, your testimonies are a blessing because we hear the way that God's moving as well. And so uh, if you would, just maybe reach out a hand as if to, to affirm this prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, uh, for this ministry. We thank you for Athletes in Action and uh, for the history that it has, a great and rich history the way that uh, uh, so many have been impacted, uh, not just uh, through the avenue of sports, but God uh, in the kingdom. And we thank you for the way that you have moved, for the way that you've led, for the way that you've guided. You are uh, the one that makes all things new. You're the one that brings transformation. You're the one that, that ignites and gives power to the kingdom force. And God, as we hear uh, just a, a small sampling of that today, uh, may we be encouraged. May we be set on fire in a way that says, hey, I'm going to, to walk through the storms with Christ. I'm going to embrace the opportunities to be able to engage uh, in righteousness, in, in, in opportunities, God, where, uh, where it's not always friendly. God, I pray for each of the individuals up here as they take on leadership roles, as they step forward in, uh, in however you've called them to do so. May you continue to lead. May you continue to guide in their midst. May you give them a power, a double portion as they lead and as they, they pour into others. God, I, I thank you for the fact that uh, while on, Sunday, or on Saturdays, God, we watch them uh, blow up a, an offense or slice up a defense, God, they, they step off the field, and, and even while they're on the field, God, but they step off the field, and they are men and, 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 uh, and even women, God, in whatever sport it might be after your own heart. We thank you, Father, for their testimony. We thank you, God, for their righteousness. We ask that you continue to empower them because certainly we note that even as they come here and proclaim these moments, that Satan is going to be on the prowl to attempt to try to undermine and destroy them. God, I pray that you would bind Satan from any attack. I pray that you would throw him out of the equation, God, and that you would, you would just surround them with your presence, with your hope, with your strength. God, we thank you for athletes in action and for the way that they are impacting our community and this subculture within our community. May you continue to work and move in our midst and in their midst as well. God, I lift up Mark and Mindy and Mark and Jody as well and all the other leaders. Just continue to, to use them for your glory. God, we thank you for their many years of service and ask God that you would just uh, in, in, in all ways bless them and uh, take care of their needs, give them hope in the midst of, of adversity and darkness, God and help them to continue to carry your banner for, for change and uh, for hope and transformation. It's in your son's precious and perfect and holy name that we pray, and all of us set together as a church. Amen. 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 Thank you once again. Can you show your appreciation once again for them? Yeah. Well, I'm going to give them a moment if they want to run out to the table and share a benediction because um, I did promise they'd be out there, so I don't know who all's going. It looks like Mark's on his way. Hear this benediction, church. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. 
in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go today with the understanding and answering this question, who are you serving alongside? Because God wants you to serve with others. He designed it, he ordained it, he empowers it. Go with God, go with others, they'll go with you. God bless you. You're sent out and dismissed. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.